dust and breath we all Welcome to This Good Word, where every week we look at one single word in an endless discovery of reclaiming what's holy about our humanity. My name is Steve Weens. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and I'm a father of three crazy boys. My hope with this podcast is to create an environment where you can continually discover who you actually are in the world. So feel free to check out my website at steveweens.com, S-T-E-V-E-W-I-E-N-S.com, where you can find links to my blog, to purchase my book, which is called Beginnings, The First Seven Days of the Rest of Your Life, and also links to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Enjoy the podcast, everybody. Well, hey, friends, welcome to This Good Word. Uh, the word this week is lament. I think for obvious reasons, we all woke up on Sunday morning. Uh, I was getting ready for church and uh, opened up my Facebook feed or my news feed, and I found out that there was this horrific shooting at the nightclub in Orlando. And I had lots and lots of emotions, as I'm sure you all did. I um, And then I just had to jump into business as usual with my church community. And it was really, really difficult for me to kind of find that gear. But I'm here with John Huckins. Hey, John. Hey there. Good to be with you. John is uh, co-founder of the Global Immersion Project. Uh, and if you've been following along the podcast, we just had Jer Swigert on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. He also is the other co-founder of the Global Immersion Project, which is a peacemaking training organization that is activating the North American church to be instruments of peace. Uh, John also is on staff with Thresholds as a missional church leadership coach, and he co-leads a neighborhood faith community. And uh, there was a group of people from Genesis, from my church, that went to Israel-Palestine with Jer and John. And I've heard nothing but just amazing things, John, about you, mm. about your heart, about um, even some of your just theological framework around peacemaking. So yeah. when it came to, I mean, I knew I wanted to talk about this this week, but I knew I didn't want to do it alone. I wanted to find someone that uh, had a framework for this that would be the most helpful. And so mm. you uh, are the first person I thought about. And I want to read, before we get into some questions, John, I want to read the lament that you found or wrote. Did you write this lament, John? I did, yeah. So for your um, for your community, your church community in San Diego, and so I just want to read it. It's a liter. It's from your liturgy that you did, and um, this is a part of it. It's a liturgy of lament, and mm-hmm. so just defining lament. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good place to start before we move to action, before we figure out what we're going to do in the world, before we figure out even how we're going to respond. I think responding with lament is really appropriate, important. And if we don't express grief and sorrow and, oh, God, where are we? Then I think we won't be very informed about how to move forward. So 
Let me read this, and then, John, I'll just ask you some questions, if that's okay. Great. Absolutely. For the, for the 374 mass shootings in the United States in the past 12 months, Lord have mercy. For the way we use religion to sanction hate, judgment, and violence, Lord have mercy. For the families and loved ones of each one of the victims in Orlando, Lord have mercy. For the way the religious community has demonized, stigmatized, and dehumanized the LGBTQ community, Lord have mercy. For the fear those in the LGBTQ community have in the wake of Orlando, Lord have mercy. For the way the religious community has demonized, stigmatized, and dehumanized the Muslim community, Lord have mercy. Amen. Amen. So, John, just jumping in, what was your response uh, on maybe it was late Saturday night, maybe early Sunday morning when you heard about the shooting? Yeah, I was actually – we have four four little kiddos, and our two youngest are twins who are almost a year. And so I was rocking one back to sleep at, at 5 a.m. and was on my BBC app and saw this pop up. And at the time, it was uh, – the word was 20 were killed in this nightclub, um, but the story was still unfolding. And and, and I, I probably like everyone else, I'm just, I'm just struck with um, the pain and the fragility of the, of our world right now, and and pleading for some kind of not only end on a, a macro level, but even an end on that specific incident. I mean, it, you know, as I was reading that, they were saying they're still, they're still uncovering what has unfolded and was continuing to unfold, and so um, knew that. As, as soon as that happened, you know, I'm, I'm always thinking through the lens of of our contribution as a church and my specific community, what what it means to to lead and to guide and accompany in the midst of, of moments like these. So, um, just kind of keeping the ear to the ground and and beginning to to prepare my heart for what the significant news would be about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! And that's you're a pastor. I'm a pastor, and I think. Um... It's a privilege to, I think, be prepared to help people walk through this. But it's also, um, for me anyway, John, I don't know how you feel. It's a privilege, but it's also a weight because it's like, mm-hmm. man, i got to figure out how I'm wrestling through this thing. And all of a sudden, you know, um, we, we, we feel the privilege, but also the burden of walking yep. other, people's through, other people through it. And yep. I, I just I don't know how to do that <laughs> other than yep. just to show up and read lament and pray and cry. So yep. and I think that's uh, often a, a really good corrective for those of us in the Western Church. Oftentimes, you know, we have we have our plans for what the program should be or needs to be or has, is set to be executed in these moments. Like we just we have to we have to either scrap all that or readjust it and say, you know accompanying a community of Jesus followers in a moment like this leaves us no option but to acknowledge the pain of our world and to be present in it. And it's not instinctual. Like that's, that's something we're finding as a community. This is part of our discipleship journey to, to leave the kind of space to not take ourselves so seriously around the visions that and plans that we have to, to be present in these kind of moments, despite the fact that it'd be much, it'd be much more, convenient or 
or fun to just kind of keep coasting through. But I think that's that's been another reality in today's culture. There's so many incidents like this. It's it's like we either have are, are falling victim to paralysis because there's so many so there's so much violence that uh, we're 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 just stuck or we get numb and just ignore it. Like we don't have the capacity to be present and grieve because it's become so frequent, which is why I think lament is such a critical piece. Yeah. And I think that's why you writing something as beautiful as you wrote is really helpful because I think there is a tendency for us to feel paralysis and even a sense of, like you said, being overwhelmed and we just want to move on, you know, cause yep. it's too much. It's too crazy. Yeah. Um, so what are you noticing, John, in your community? And as you, you're connected with so many people all around the world, yeah. uh, what are you noticing in the in the aftermath, in the days of the aftermath of the shooting? Yeah, honestly, um, I've been I've been encouraged more than probably any other recent tragedy of how the church is actually waking up to the need to be present and to lament and to to hold back on our Western instinct to do and to fix. You know, that's something that that we're learning from our friends internationally, especially those south of us in the in the majority world, um, South America, Central America, right here in Tijuana, who are saying, you know, Western church, you, you do a lot of good things really well, but something you don't do well is create space for lament. And you would be wise to do that because those of us on the underside of the empire, on the underside of, the, of, of power, have no choice but to create space for that. And so... Um, they've been teaching us. That's for me personally, what's even guided me into this practice personally. And as a community is learning from those folks who have been doing this, you know, all the way back to the tradition of the prophets, um, in, in Israel and exile. And, and so I, I would say in, in the recent days after this, there's been, from my perspective, at least in the circles that I'm in much more awareness about us needing to pause and be present versus what do we do now? Let's roll up our sleeves and get something done. Which of course is the is is a, is a sensitive balance because we we do have things to do. But right, of course. But I think you're right. There there is sort of a, an American, um, <laughs> you know, sort of a John Wayne. Totally. Uh, and it, it's not all bad. It's just we won't, you know, without seeing and listening and being present, we won't know how to respond well when these yep. things happen. And yep. I think it's so interesting. Uh, what I'm interested in hearing from you is you hear from friends in Palestine. I, I almost guarantee you, you had friends from, I don't know this, but you had friends from Palestine who contacted you and said, oh my gosh, you know, how are you? Yep. And, and it's so, it, it, the humility, because that happens all the time over there. That's right. You know, that's right. It's like, like that's not to minimize anything that happened for us but yep. like this thing that shocked our nation and should have yep is a very regular occurrence um, yep. in many places around the world that you visit right absolutely i mean I, I think that that's that's been one of the reflections of the incredible character and and rooted spirituality of a lot of our friends who live in everyday conflict yet choose choose the way of peace in the midst of it and why it's so prophetic is they don't diminish the pain of others. They're in it, but they're so aware of the pain and the nuance of it that they, they seem to be the best guides in moments like these. And and at the same time, honestly, Steve, that while it does happen in these places of conflict regularly, there has still been a sentiment of 
what are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you guys doing in the States that is allowing the number of, of mass shootings to civilians to continue to unfold? And so there is, I wouldn't say it's a critique as much as a curiosity. Like, help me understand how a society, a free, you know, democratic society continues to, to be exposed to this. Right. And I think it, it's a curiosity. I think it would be okay if it was a critique. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, yep. I think, I think the humility with which it comes makes it, makes it curiosity. But, um, I think there needs to be some prophetic voices, uh, with authority from probably the outside and the inside that says, yep. uh, it, it, it really, you know, when will the tipping point be? Yep. Uh, yep. When, when will it be? How long, yep. how long? Yep. So go ahead. And I was just going to say, yeah, and, and another another gift of these these friendships that extend beyond our national borders, but are so significantly rooted in our, our kingdom um, understanding, kingdom family is, you know, especially our friends in Palestine, who most everyone that we interact with there is an everyday person, just like you and I, trying to care for their family, be in community seek the flourishing of others. There are the handful who choose to use terror to make a point and and send a message. And when that happens, I mean, this just happened in Israel. There was a shooting in a Tel Aviv market from a Palestinian. And the immediate response to that is the, the mass community, the Palestinian community, gets the foot of occupation on their neck. Yeah. And they all have to pay the price of one person's actions, not to condone the actions in any way, but it's it's incredible how a whole society is impacted. And I think what we're learning from our friends internationally is saying, pay attention to the communities who are now going to have the foot of power on their neck, which specifically is the LGBTQ community who, in the wake of this, is experiencing unbelievable trauma and realizing that their their isolation in our society is not just a social one. Now it's a violent one. Yes. And And then the Muslim community... You know, this is a gentleman who is a Muslim who says he's associated with ISIS. It's like the perfect story for the the political polarizing debate and rhetoric to to be fueled. You know, here he is, a Muslim killing all of these gay folks, and and our local Muslim Americans are thinking, what what about us now in our parks, in our uh, in our workplaces, in our communities? How are we going to be perceived, and what kind of backlash is this going to have on us? So they're helping us pay attention to those communities who. Often we don't have eyes to see uh, in the midst of, of these moments. I think I'm so glad you said that. That was one of my questions: is what are you noticing in the LGBTQ community as well as the Muslim community? And when I say community, what I mean is your friends. Like, what are you noticing right. in in your friends? Is fear rising up? Is um, yeah, talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I would say among the LGBTQ community, I am just. <laughs> I am completely blown away by the resilience, um, by the grace, by the ability to stand with one another. I think so many of them have experienced so much pain that when someone else experiences something tragic like this, they know how to care for each other well. Um, you know, this, and I'm, I'm sure we'll mention this in a minute, but on Friday morning, we're going to be hosting a conversation with friends who are part of the LGBTQ community who work with them to help us understand that better. I think that's something I'm still, still seeking out. I'm just curious about like, what is the reality within that community at large as a result of this tragedy? <clears throat> but in general, 
um, it's it, I'm 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 astounded by the resilience. I would say in the Muslim community, um, there there's a couple different re- responses I've seen from from those around us. One is a uh, an outspoken affirmation of their LGBTQ friends, saying all, not all Muslims think that that community is you know. Uh, is, is a community to, to be ridded of our society. And, um, and they haven't necessarily always said that, though. That's what's kind of curious. I think that out of the fear of a backlash, they're being more outspoken of, of the support of the LGBTQ community. And others are, are just rolling up their sleeves and, and giving themselves to caring for, for them, that, that community right now. But, but I would say as a whole, I, I mean, our, our, our Muslim friends are just rolling their eyes and saying, here we are again. Like, yeah. he, here's another moment where we're going to have to um, live as uh, a, a people who have to look over their shoulder and have a, per- a persistent sense of fear in their own homes and society. Oh, and oh, I mean, that's part of my lament. Part of my lament is for, is for, I mean, us. It is for the mm. whole. I mean. So there's the LGBTQ community, there's the Muslim community, there's the Christian community, and then there's just the global community of people, yep. all of whom are being, um, I mean, it, it's just, I, 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 John, honestly, I'm having, as a pastor, I'm just, like, there's a part of me that's just hanging my head and crying right now because yep. of the rhetoric, the hatred, the fear, um, and so as so here's here's my question moving away from paralysis Hmm. moving towards each other Hmm. how can the church respond in ways that might be healing in ways that might bring uh tikkun alam you know the the wholeness the shalom i mean how give us some thoughts on even some tangible ways that those of us who love our LGBTQ brothers and sisters, who love our Muslim friends. Yeah. Um, what can we do? Totally. Um, I think the first the first act is, and we're still in this space to some degree, is actually enacting lament. And for us as a community, lament, um, a lot of people probably practice it different ways, but it, it has a few different elements. One, it's just creating space to pause. Uh, it's It's sitting in silence in the grief and pain um, of a world not yet made right. And in whatever that needs to look like in a physical space of gathering or as individuals, um, or even as they begin to anticipate actions in ways they will respond to make sure they've created some space to simply pause and commune with God, listen um, to what the spirit is saying. And and second, it's to acknowledge it's a, it's a verbal acknowledgement that we are actually, called to be to to join god in the world god is making uh, but that world has not yet been made you know in jesus we trust that a decisive peace has been waged but the church is to participate and to be that that resurrection community and in real time and space and we have to create space to acknowledge that the work is not done and so um, whatever that acknowledgement needs to look like uh, even if it's if it's a public confession or a public acknowledgement that um we're still we're still on the way and and third is repentance like areas where that where those gaps have have been found of areas of confession need to now turn into 
to what now? What does it look like to actually shift our way of being and living in the world in such a way that we do participate uh, in healing a broken world, especially in light of tragedies like these? And so creating space, space to lament, to, to pause, acknowledge, repent. Um, tangibly, I would say anything that we can do to simply uh, listen and be present in our own cities, our own neighborhoods to the LGBTQ and Muslim communities right now is huge. I know in San Diego, there's been, even it's what been a couple days, there's been multiple events, uh, citywide events, where we can just come together and stand and, and hear the stories of those impacted. And what, what would happen if churches actually showed up to that stuff? I mean, these are communities where churches usually steer away from, you know, and one of our one of our messages, I'm sure you heard Jared say this, is when we move towards people that are different than us, at least historically throughout the church, we don't compromise our faith. We represent the very best of it. So what are ways we can move towards people in these communities uh, in a posture of humility and curiosity and, and listening and learning? And um, those relationships that have been, like churches that have built relationships there, what would it mean to, to give the platform to people that represent these communities, whether it's something in the midweek hosting a conversation, the Q&A, or if it's it's opening up space on a Sunday gathering? I mean, I think there's ways that we need to be awake to we can't we can't just offer commentary on this. We have to go to the source and listen to the people actually involved. And uh, so anyways, we can create that within our churches is significant. And I, I'd say one more thing is just for us to be to be careful how we communicate, how we talk about this. Um, I know I, I have spent friends, especially in the LGBTQ community, who um, who are very aware of the hateful voices and the rhetoric that's coming up as a result of this, the politicians that are using this as a, as a platform. And when we share that stuff, even in our good intentions, like, oh, I can't believe someone would say this behind a pulpit or a podium, are my LGBTQ friends are saying, can you, can you withhold, like, we know that stuff exists. Can you not give them the attention that they're seeking? Yeah. <laughs> and for every, every traumatizing story like that, at least talk about three other hopeful ones where people yeah. are actually coming together. And so uh, I think in our good intentions of, of trying to critique people that are using this as a platform, we can actually continually discourage those that are impacted by this. I think that's a really good reminder, really good corrective, and just a really good, like in the best sense, maybe many of us are just ignorant of that. Like, oh yeah, that, I, I guess that is just giving a platform to that totally. voice. Yeah. So um, I think that's a good that's a good corrective. Um, all right, John. So I think last thing is I really want to make sure, especially for those people who are lucky enough to be listening on like today, Thursday, the sixteenth. Yep. Um, tomorrow morning you're doing, you guys are doing a webinar and then you're following it up again on the, so July, uh, June 17th, Friday morning. Yep. And then again on, um, uh, June 24th, can you just explain what's happening and who's going to be on that? And, and then I will provide the links to that on my show notes, but uh, awesome. if there's an easy link for you just to say out, that might be easy too. Great. Yeah. So one of the ways that we try to resource the church uh, in regards to being a peacemaking training organization is to be peacemakers. We have to first and foremost hear the human perspective of the conflicts that, that we live within. And this is one of those moments we could we could just be behind a screen of a news app or a TV. We got to hear from the people involved and impacted by this. So this webinar on Friday morning, which is at 10 a.m. Pacific, um, 
will be a panel of uh, of people that are actually in it. Um, so we'll have the executive director of Muslims for Pro Progressive Values, who will give us a, a ground zero understanding of how the Muslim community is handling this. We'll have an executive director of um, the Memorial AIDS Grove, and he is uh, going to give us a, a ground zero understanding of how the LGBTQ community is is handling this. We'll have Shane Claiborne, um, who's going to talk about the, the rise of gun violence and how the church can do something about it. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dr. David Gushy, who's a Christian ethicist, who's going to offer a tangible Christian response in, in light of this. He's actually written a couple great statements in the wake of this tragedy. And then we'll have a local or organizer uh, in my city named Sarah Merkbenitez, who uh, works at our L LGBTQ community center and is already rallying our, our city across our typical religious and denominational and social boundaries to stand in solidarity in this moment. So she's going to give us some insight into what that could look like for us. And so that'll be a critical webinar. It's free. Um, it's on our website, globalimmerse.org. Uh, you can sign up there. And uh, the following week on the 24th, like you said, we're going to have another conversation on, on race in America out of uh, the new documentary series uh, Made in America about O.J. Simpson the way that race and power and privilege uh, plays a huge, huge part in our social uh, divide racially. And so we'll have some uh, some black leaders who will guide us into that um, intelligently and compassionately and some white pastors who have been on the road for quite some time and acknowledging the blind spots of racism that still exist in our society. Beautiful. Well, I'm going to sign up for both of those. And uh, friends, again, if you're Lucky enough to be listening to this like before the 17th, uh, uh, Friday the 17th, please head over to globalimmerse.org, register for the webinar, and then you'll get all the information about how to log in and how to, how to be a part of that. Uh, this is just one of the things I think for many of us, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to respond. This is a critical piece of, I think, responding um, intelligently and with our hearts by listening to those who are impacted. I love that you're doing this, John. I, I am overjoyed that you're doing this. I will Thanks, be promoting Steve. this to our community at Genesis, but also to everyone who's um, listening to this good word. I think this you guys are doing such an important work in the world right now, John. Hmm. Uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm privileged to, to um, be connecting with you guys and, and can't wait to see the growth that happens in me. Hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. We're all on the way, my friend. Indeed. Uh, I got to say too, before we close, I'm just yeah. super grateful for, for people like you who not only create space for these kinds of conversations to happen, which happen all too infrequently in the church, but who's actually leading a local faith community into this stuff together. And it's, it's messy, it's muddy, but there's no other way for us to, to journey our discipleship path than right in the middle of this stuff. So thanks for, for living this stuff out and having your insights be from a practiced, uh, a practiced place rather than a theoretical one. Thank you, John. Well, we're all in it together. As, Indeed. As, as we say in Genesis, we're just, you know, we're fumbling and, and, and stumbling our way toward hopefully the restoration of all things. And mm. um, we're being led by Jesus and uh, whew, we're in it together. So thanks, yep. man. I Got really it. appreciate your time. And uh, we will we will be face to face at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. Thanks. Indeed. Man. Blessings, my friend. Peace. See ya. Bye bye. Bye.